Good morning, Hope Church. My name is Kristen, and I am so glad to be speaking with you this morning. Um, recently, about a month ago, my family and I took a, took a vacation to Maine, and um, we were fortunate enough to be by the beach. And so one day, it was a beautiful um, September day in Maine, and we were on the beach, and I have twin six-year-old daughters, and they were playing, building a sandcastle. And they were building a sandcastle right at the line between where the water comes in, the tide comes in, and dry sand. And and as I was playing, I looked up and I noticed one of my daughters, Lillian, holding her hand out to the sea, saying, stop, stop. She was trying to tell the sea to stop from destroying her sandcastle. Needless to say, it did not work. The sea won, the sandcastle was destroyed. And this is an example of authority. And in this case, my daughter not having authority over the sea. In this sermon, we're gonna talk about what spiritual authority is. We're gonna talk about what spiritual authority is and also ways in which we can develop spiritual authority. In Luke 10, Jesus sends 72 of his disciples out to neighboring towns to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand and to heal the sick. He sends these 72 disciples out and they do as he says, they obey, and they come back and they say to Jesus, Jesus, you will not believe this. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus says, I know. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Okay. So like many verses in the Bible, I look at this verse and I say, Jesus, that's great for them back then, but what in the world does it mean for us today in our modern world? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what this verse means, what spiritual authority means, and then some ways to develop it. So, fun fact. There are 36 species of serpents in Israel, seven of which are poisonous. There are several um, species of scorpions, just like we have here in the States. So when Jesus was saying this to the disciples, hey, I've given you authority over serpents and scorpions, he was actually telling them, hey, I give you authority over the physical threats in the world. He sent these 72 out without purses. He said, do not take purses, do not take bags, and do not wear sandals for your, for your feet. They had no sandals. So he was giving them authority for not only the physical threats that they would face, but also, of course, even more importantly, the, um, the, the unseen threats, the power of the enemy, the darkness over the world. I'd like to begin by saying that what this verse means to us today is the exact same thing it meant to them. Rather, what it meant to them is the exact same that it means to us today. The world that we live in today is the same world that they lived in back then. The same brokenness, the same pains, the same sufferings that existed back then exist today. We are still in the same, a very broken world. And so this verse still means very much the same today as it did back then. So what does it look like to have spiritual authority today? I think the best analogy to authority with God is a crossing guard. 
A crossing guard does not have the authority to, I mean, sorry, does not have the power to stop an 18-wheeler truck that's coming in an intersection. It does not have the physical strength to be able to stop that truck. But the crossing guard does have the authority to stop that truck. Other drivers understand the rules of the road and they know they have to follow the rules. So let's take this one step further. What does spiritual authority mean? Well, Rob Reamer defines spiritual authority as the capacity to touch heaven and change the outcome on the earth. In other words, to touch the spiritual realm, to touch God and change what we can see here in the physical realm. I think in a very broad sense, this is any time a prayer is answered. Any time we say a prayer, God hears it. When any time God says yes and answers that prayer, we touch heaven and change the outcome of the world here. Now, there are many clear examples in the Bible of spiritual authority being exercised. We see many examples of healings, deliverances. Um, we see wombs being opened. We see prison doors being opened. And so I think we can learn a lot from the people in the Bible of how we today can actually gain and develop spiritual authority. So three ways that I'd like to talk about of ways to develop spiritual authority. The first is understanding our identity with God. The second is to um, learn God's will. And the last way is to um, increase our faith, is faith. So we're going to start with the first way, and that is to understand our identity in Christ. Now when I say identity, I'm referring to the fact that we are children of God. It's easy to say with our minds, yes, of course, I know I'm a child of God, but we have to make sure that our hearts actually believe this, that we are children of God. When my family visits um, my parents' house in Maine, which we did a lot more pre-COVID, but when we visit there, I have no problems going to the refrigerator if I'm hungry and opening the refrigerator or going to the pantry and taking a snack out. And I, I do that. And why is that? It's because it's my parents' house. I am their child. I understand my place there. I have authority there, un unsaid authority. Now, when my husband and I first started dating, he was not able to go to open the fridge or the pantry and take out a snack. But of course, over time, he's developed a relationship with them. He's been adopted as, as a son in marriage. And now, just a month ago, he went and he took a, um, a snack out. He took some shrimp out of the fridge for a snack, only in Maine. In the same way that we are children of our parents and that we have authority in our parents' homes, in our homes, we, have, we are children of God and we have authority in the spiritual realm and the unseen realm. In Romans 8, Paul tells us that if we are children of God, then we are also heirs, heirs of Christ, or heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, co-heirs means we are brothers and sisters to Christ, right? But it also means that we share in the same inheritance as Christ. So that same authority that Christ had while he was on earth, we as a church have inherited that same authority that Jesus exercised while he was on earth. Let's look again at um, Luke 10, 17. 
Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread in serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, that's great that you have authority and that you can cast out demons, but it's even greater that your names are written in the book of life. That we, that our God, our Father, knew your name before the foundation of the world was even created. Rejoice in that, that we are children of God. If we are going to develop our authority in the same way that I know my rights in my parents' home, we need to know and understand our rights in our fathers. Now let's take this one step further. Ephesians 2, 6-7 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's look at that. Look at that again. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We are sitting with Christ in the same throne room as God our Father. So not only are we children of God, not only are we co-heirs with Christ, but we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And this is all through grace. The crossing guard didn't have to go to the gym to get big muscles, nor did the crossing guard have to go to um, college to get a bachelor's degree. All the crossing guard had to do was show up. The crossing guard understands their identity and their authority. In the same way, we too must understand our identity with Christ. If we could grasp this fact, that we are sit with Christ in the heavenly realms, imagine the prayers that we would say. Imagine the spiritual authority that we would exercise. Imagine how much we'd expand God's kingdom if we could grasp this fact. Christ, as our brother, has invited us to expand his kingdom, to tread over the power of the enemy. So let us pause here now. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Christ died for us and rose. Christ sacrificed immensely all so that we too could die to the sin that is within us and rise with him in the heavenly realms. This is the gospel. So given this truth, given all that Jesus has done for us, why don't we see more miracles today? Why don't we see more healings, more of our prayers answered in the way that we expect them to be answered? Well, I think we're still missing two ingredients, and that is, number one, really understanding um, God's will, what God's will is. And number two, faith, just still um, a lack of faith. So let's talk about understanding God's will. What does understanding God's will have to do with spiritual authority? Well, I think it's quite simple. If we pray, when we pray, if we pray according to God's will, there's a good chance he's going to do whatever we pray, right? Because it's according to his will. I think we can illustrate this with a simple example. Um, so my girls, if it, when it's snack time, if they ask for a carrot, I will pretty much every time say yes, so long as we have carrots in the fridge. Now, if they ask for a cookie, well, I'm not so sure about that. 
Why? Because it's my will. It's my will for them to be healthy, to grow. If we pray according to God's will, we can exercise spiritual authority. We can touch heaven and change the outcome of the earth. So how do we learn God's will? Well, I think the, the most obvious way, of course, is to read, read the Bible, this book that is just full of God's promises for us, full of God's heart, God's desires for us, full of God's will. So we read the Bible through meditation, and um, we can absorb God's, God's will. We can also learn God's will through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And the truth includes God's will. The Holy Spirit leads us and even, even intercedes for us when we know not what to pray for. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit prays according to God's will when we're not even able to. So how do we see this in our life? Well, to, to learn from the Holy Spirit, to listen to the Holy Spirit, we simply need to spend time with God, spend time with the Trinity. Like any relationship, the more time we spend with someone, the more we get to know their dislikes, their likes, what, how they think, the more we get to know the desires of their heart, the more we get to know their will. The more time we spend with God in his presence, the more we get to know and discern God's will. Corey Russell has said, prayer is actually the most impactful and powerful thing we can do. Though it feels weak, this is how God has determined to release his kingdom. I truly believe that every prayer is answered. I just think if we know what to pray for, if we pray according to God's will, we tend to get more yeses than noes. And that is spiritual authority. That is touching heaven and changing the outcome on earth. Okay, so we've talked about two ways now to develop spiritual authority. Number one is understanding our identity in Christ as children of the God. The second way is to learn God's will through just growing deeper and deeper into an intimate relationship with our Father, with the Holy Trinity. But sometimes, even when everything seems to be going right, our prayers still don't seem to be answered as we expected. And so we're gonna look at the third way, and that is through increasing our faith. And we actually see an example of this in Matthew 17. So Matthew 17, it talks about a boy who is delivered of an unclean spirit. Now to give you a little background, this happens sometime after the 72 disciples had sent out and had already returned. It also happens very, very shortly before Jesus is crucified. So the disciples have been with Jesus for many years at this point. They were very familiar with their, his ministry. They had seen many examples of him exercising his own spiritual authority. They themselves had to exercise their, their spiritual authority many times as well. So a father and takes his son to the, to the disciples. Now this son is, um, is suffering. He has very violent, violent seizures. He's gone mute. Um, he is just suffering. And a father, his father is desperate desperate for a miracle, desperate for his boy to be healed. So his father takes his son to the disciples, and the disciples try. 
They try to, to rebuke the unclean spirit within the boy. They try everything. I would imagine they tried everything they possibly could, right? I'm, I'm sure they tried every trick in the book that they've seen Jesus do with no success. The boy is still sick. So they go, so the father goes to Jesus. And Jesus, of course, full of compassion, heals the boy on the spot. And the disciples say, okay, that's great, Jesus, but why, why couldn't we do it? What, what are we missing? And Jesus replies in Matthew 17, 20, he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is telling his disciples, you need more faith. I know you have been with me for a long time, but to expand your spiritual authority, you still need more faith. Now in Mark 9, which is a parallel, like a parallel account of the same story, Jesus replies something slightly different. Jesus says, this kind of unclean spirit cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And in some translations it says, but prayer and fasting. So in Matthew, Jesus says, you need more faith. In Mark, Jesus says, you need more prayer. And in, in some translations, fasting. Well, I think if any of us, if we were to look closely at these two, two um, differing responses, we'd find that at the core, they mean the same thing. You need prayer to increase your faith. You need to spend time with God to increase your faith, to receive that gift. It's, it's nothing we can do, of course. It's all through grace. It's all, all gifts. We simply need to show up, to hand out, like, put our hands out and receive by spending time with God. Rob Remar says this, it is about authority, not ability. It is about relationship, relationship with God, not results. It's about the master, not the ministry. Spiritual authority is rooted in identity. Okay, so we discussed three ways to develop our spiritual authority. One, understanding our identity in Christ. Number two, learning God's will by spending more time with God. And number three, increasing our faith by, again, spending more time with God. Now, I do want to note here that historically in the church, there have been people that have abused spiritual authority by saying that you didn't get your prayer answered the way you wanted because you're not praying hard enough, you're not fasting enough. And I want to caution you to never, ever, ever fall into this trap. As Pastor Craig would say, the kingdom is not a perfect equation, and we may think that we have it all figured out, but ultimately, God is in complete control. And we will never get to a point here on earth where we can completely discern God's will. But I do think that through developing our spiritual authority, we can get closer. I want to share a time in which we actually saw this in practice, where we saw spiritual authority exercised in practice. We have a friend, Joe, who's in our Hope Group, and at the start of the pandemic, Joe was laid off. And it was a very difficult time. At that time, our Hope Group was meeting every week because we were all going a little crazy. Um, but we met every week, and every time we met, we prayed. We prayed for Joe that God would find him a job. 
Now, we didn't know what kind of job that God would find you. We didn't know when he would find it. We didn't know where he would find it. But we truly believed that God would find Joe a job. The thing is, God designed us, men and women, to work. When he first created Adam and Eve, the first thing God told Adam was to go out and name all of the animals. That was work. God did not create us to be idols. It is one of God's promises to us that we should work, whatever form that may be. So we truly believed that God would find Joe work. And he did. About six months into the pandemic, about two months ago, Joe got this email from out of the blue from a hiring manager describing a job description that was exactly what Joe was looking for. It was truly a miracle. Joe interviewed, of course, got the job, has been working happily for the last two months, is thriving. Church, we have such a finite time on this earth to expand God's kingdom. In Matthew 17, when the disciples weren't able to cast out the unclean, this unclean spirit, before Jesus actually told them how, he said this, he said, oh faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? Now I know that these words can sound harsh, but I really don't believe that Jesus meant them in any sort of condemning way. I believe that they were set in complete and utter desperation. I believe Jesus was saying, friends, I am not going to be with you physically for very much longer. I am going to our Father, and so I need you to learn and to develop spiritual authority so that you can expand God's kingdom because I can't do it anymore. I am going to our Father. I am going, I am the head of the church and you, my church, are the body. I, you are the hands and feet and you are the ones to expand God's kingdom. I need you. Jesus was saying he needs us. Jesus didn't just give this authority to the 12 disciples that he was closest to. He didn't even just give it to the 72 that he sent out. He gave this authority to every single person who calls Christ their savior. He gave it to his sent ones. He gave it to us. My friends, we need to develop our spiritual authority. Number one, by truly understanding our identity in Christ Jesus. Number two, by learning God's will, by spending time with God. And number three, by increasing our faith, by again, by spending time with God. So that we, as children of God, as co-heirs with Christ, seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus can exercise our spiritual authority, expand God's kingdom, touch heaven, and change the outcome of the earth. Let us pray. Dear Father, um, dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that you have made for us. Dear Jesus, we thank you for giving us 
with spiritual authority, the ability to pray, to touch heaven, and to make a difference here on this earth. Dear Father, we do ask that you help this church, you help us, Hope Church, as your body, to learn to develop our spiritual authority, to most of all, just to get closer to you, Father, to become deeper in love with you. Dear Father, we ask for all of this. We ask for blessings for our church, blessings for the week. In Jesus' name, amen.